Welcome to Family History, Genealogy Made Easy. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. You probably have a lot of curiosity about your family history, but not a lot of time. And that's why I created this podcast. In each episode, I'm going to give you the tools that you need to uncover your family tree in quick and easy ways. Well, today's show is all about you. This episode is made up completely of your emailed questions, comments, and stories. Now, I couldn't do this podcast without you, and I definitely want it to be a two-way conversation. But since I don't want to sound like I'm sitting here talking to myself, the role of you will be played today by, ta-da, my daughter, Lacey Cook. Hi, Lacey. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Mom, and hi, everybody out there listening. It's great to be back. And you probably recognize Lacey's voice because... Um, oh gosh, back a couple of months ago, I was sick down with the flu and she stepped in like a hero and did the episode for me. And then just recently, we uh, went on another genealogy trek together. That's right. We were down in the Genealogy Jamboree Conference in Burbank, California for three or four days and it was quite a big turnout. I was very impressed and very surprised at how many people were there and all the great information that was being shared. It was a a three-day event, and we were at the Family Tree Magazine slash Genealogy Gems booth, (laughs) and um, I was running around doing some interviews, and Lacey, you were videotaping, and and then when I was teaching, you were running the booth, so it was pretty much uh, your your deal. You had it going on, and and, uh, met lots and lots of of genealogists there. Uh, We heard some listeners, some people who recognized you. And I, yes, they did recognize me, and it was quite a surprise. I, I wasn't sure that anybody would, would notice or remember, but there were quite a few listeners who, who approached me and, and noticed the resemblance between me and my mom <laughs> first off, and then uh, I was kind of her roadie on the trip, so when she was out teaching classes, I was like, I'm just manning the table. Uh, she'll be here to answer your questions when she gets back. I can sell you her books and sign you up for her <laughs> newsletter. <laughs> Well, they had two blondes there, and you were the 20-year-younger version of me, I think they thought. But um, anyway, I was thrilled to have you there. Thank you so much. And I'm so glad to have you here on the show. Um, We have been, I've been asking folks on the podcast to send in their questions and comments. I get lots of them anyway, and and some I've hung on to just for this episode. Others we've, we've asked for in the last couple of weeks, and I see that you have a stack there. That's right. I've got a very large pile, it turns out, of questions and viewer, uh, listener, should I say, response that we'll be looking at today. You bet. Well, because this podcast is dedicated to really teaching you the genealogy process from the first step all the way through, and we get that chance to cover, you know, one topic per episode where we can really go in depth. And sometimes we have multiple episodes, but it just seemed like a really good time. This is episode 36, if you can believe it. And it seemed like a really good time to uh, kind of take a step back and answer some of your initial questions um, as we get ready to kind of launch into the next series of, of episodes. So we'll be right back after this quick break to head into some questions that were about research techniques. And that's right after this. Would you like to boost your genealogy research and break through those brick walls? Well, here's your answer. Become a Genealogy Gems Premium Member. 
You'll get two extra members-only episodes every month packed with great tips that you can use right away and instructional videos walking you through the best internet tools step-by-step. In the current series called Google, a goldmine of genealogy gems, I'll show you how to get the most out of Google. If you enjoy the Genealogy Gems podcast, then you're going to love being a Genealogy Gems premium member. This is Tim Cox. I'm a premium member, and I have been for a while. just wanted to call and let you know that I really enjoyed being a premium member, and one of the perks I like about it is the videos. I learned how to build my own genealogy dashboard. The videos were called Google, a goldmine of genealogy gems, and because I made that dashboard, I'm able to monitor all the blogs and the websites that interest me, and I was able to create tabs So each tab has different topics, and just go to each one I want. This is like the best thing since sliced bread. So Lisa, thank you for what you're doing, and I really do enjoy your podcast. To become a premium member, go to my website at genealogygems.tv and click the Join Today button. And by entering the special coupon code SAVE20, that's S-A-V-E-2-0, you'll get 20% off the annual membership. Genealogy Gems Premium Membership. It's where you belong. All right, Lacey. Well, I guess our first kind of collection of comments and questions come in regards to research techniques. A lot of the things we've talked about here on the show. What have you got for us? Well, I have got an email question here. And it says, Hi, Lisa. I thoroughly enjoy your podcasts and always find useful information. I recently listened to your interview with Mark Tucker regarding the GPS. My question is, when do I use the GPS method? For instance, I know when my father was born, I know when he was married, and I know when he died and where he was buried. No rhyme intended, right? <laughs> you sound like you were singing that. Go ahead. I know. <laughs> some of this is obviously from first-hand knowledge, and some is from a birth certificate and a marriage certificate. Does that information stand on its own as meeting the genealogical proof standard? Do I need to create a research report for my father and prove he died September 1st, 2001? Do I need a research report for each and every ancestor? I'm trying to clean up my research and input all my source citations. If I need to be creating research reports also, I need to address that issue. Thanks much, Jenna in Kansas City. Well, Jenna, those are terrific questions. Thank you so much for writing. As we know, we've talked about the genealogical proof standard, which is GPS. And no, Lacey, that's not directional equipment. That's actually the genealogical proof standard process. And it's a standard by which we do our research, but also it kind of leads into the methodology that we follow in order to solve our genealogical problems. Now, You want to try to have the foundation of the research that you do based in the genealogical proof standard. I created the the research worksheet to accomplish that. And if you use the worksheet for each challenge that you research, you're going to be in pretty good shape. But in reality, it would probably kind of be overkill and really a huge investment in time to use the worksheet and write a report for every single fact that you research. That's probably not real realistic. And and some things are pretty straightforward, and primary source documents are readily available. The GPS and the worksheet really come into play as soon as a primary source is just not quickly coming to light. 
or there's a discrepancy in the data that you're finding. So for conclusions you reach that are in conflict with other researchers, a research report it can really be invaluable. You can share it with other researchers, giving great credibility to your research. And even more important, it will give you all the background, that process that you followed and the conclusions that you reached, if indeed you need to go back to that area of your family tree sometime in the future. I like to focus on writing up reports on each direct ancestor, but that's after I feel like I've really documented the bulk of their lifetime data, you know, their birth, marriage, death, residences, uh, their occupations, the military service, the whole shebang. And realistically, we have to assume that we won't be able to get one done for every single person in our family tree. Chances are, I mean, many of us have thousands of people in our family tree database. So putting priority on your direct ancestors, of course, working backwards, is going to ensure that the key players in your tree are documented for future generations. So great questions, and I appreciate that you asked them. And have we got another one there, Lacey? Yes, we do. All right. Kent Frazier writes to say, I've been doing my family history off and on, mostly off, since I was married in 1991. The last time I did any research was in 2007. I became interested again after finding your podcasts. I have subscribed to your premium content, purchased Roots Magic 4, and subscribed to Ancestry.com and Footnote.com. I've been listening to your Family History Genealogy Made Easy podcasts during my daily walks along with Genealogy Gems and the Family Tree Magazine podcasts. Now, here's his question. While going through some of my paper files from 2007, I came across an image of a newspaper that I had printed. The newspaper is the Desert News, number 26, Salt Lake City, August 4th, 1869, volume 18. It is the front page and contains an article of the killing of my great-great-grandfather, Thomas Leonard Frazier. Since I had not learned about citing sources at that time, there is nothing to indicate where online I had obtained that image. Since 2007, I have had to replace my computer's hard drive, and I am unable to locate the image of any of my backups. I have looked and cannot find this online. The Desert News Archive doesn't go back that far. Would you be able to provide any tips to help me locate this image online? Thank you, Kent Frazier. Well, I'm so glad that the podcasts have inspired you, Kent, to get back involved in genealogy. That is super. I love hearing that. Uh, and it sounds like you're well on your way. And I'm actually, I'm very happy to be able to send you the newspaper article that you are looking for. So you'll find in your email box, the newspaper page containing the article about the death of Thomas Leonard Frazier. Now, I actually found this on genealogybank.com, which is also a paid subscription website, uh, very well known for newspapers, and just got really lucky. It was the first place I went to look, and there it was. And as I mentioned in the family history episodes on newspapers, online newspapers are really scattered all over the internet. So I started by searching Genealogy Bank because I have a subscription, and they have a really large collection of online newspapers. And sure enough, there was the article. But in the future cases, if you have trouble finding newspaper articles, um, going back over those two episodes we did with Jane Knowles-Lindsay uh, would be a great recap on the, all the different kinds of locations, whether you're going to get them off of subscription sites or out of historical archives or genealogical society websites, uh, the Family History Library, or actually going into your local public library for the area that you're looking for and actually finding the original paper copy. There's lots of different ways to go at it. 
So I'm glad to have you on board as a premium member, and I hope you will stay in touch, Kent. Thanks. All right, Lacey, and I love this next one because he signs his email Slambo. <laughs> but actually, it's, it stands for Sean Lamb. What does Sean Lamb have to say? All right, well, looking here, Sean Lamb says, This seems to be the photo week for me. Earlier this week, I listened to Family History Podcast episode 33 about file organization, which included a method for photo organization. And I just finished listening to the Genealogy Gems podcast episode about researching photo data based about researching photo data based on the cars that are depicted therein. I remember you working on that. Yeah. <laughs> you were showing me the, the techniques you used. It was very interesting. And that was actually based on us watching an episode of Forensic Files. Yes. It was, I was so excited to see that it could actually be used in everyday situations. Yeah, that alternative light source. All right, go ahead. All right, he goes on to say, My sister recently sent me a batch of old family photos that she scanned from my parents' collection, which also includes a photo showing the van in which I learned to drive. Since I didn't have these photos before, I just tried the organization method described in the Family History Podcast. This works well, but there is one, addi- there is one additional step that I would suggest, and that is to add a caption to each photo's metadata. It's like writing about the content of a photo on the back of a print. The biggest advantage here is that, just like the data written on the back of a print, this data travels with the photo within the file when you email it to other family members, who may or may not have their own file organization system. On a modern computer, this is pretty easy. For Microsoft Windows computers, it should work at least as far back as Windows XP. Right-click on the file in Windows Explorer, then click on Properties. On a Mac, click on the file icon, then in the Finder menu, click on Get Info. I'm using Windows Vista, so this comes up with a window that has three tabs on it, General Security and Details. Go to the Details tab, click to the right of the fields that are listed there to enable editing. On my computer, there are fields for Title, Subject, Tags, and Comments, as well as Authors, Date Taken, and Date Acquired. There are a number of other fields that can be edited on this screen that have to do with the photographic equipment that was used. So scanned photos from your grandparents' Kodak Brownie cameras can be updated too. The files that I fill in are subject, tags, and where known, the authors, and date taken. The tags field can be very useful for the computer's search function. If these fields are not available from the operating system itself, most modern photo editing software has functionality that will let you edit the same fields from within the photo software. For example, in Adobe Photoshop, this is under File, File Info, Slambo, Sean Lamb. <laughs> Sean, that's a great idea. You're absolutely right. Um, in fact, every time I produce the podcast, I take the MP3 file, the audio file, and I actually do meta tag it. I put on the date and the title and who I am and, and all that kind of stuff. And actually, in the Genealogy Gems premium member area of the website, premium members actually just recently heard an episode where I interviewed Ken Watson. And Ken was talking about, actually, GPS, but a different kind of GPS. He was talking about global positioning and how you can tag your photos with the actual coordinates, latitude, longitude of where the photo was taken. And he also mentioned that you could edit these uh, meta tags. So 
great information. And I love this that you included the Mac as well, because Lacey, I just got a Mac. <laughs> and you've seen me, I've, you've heard me in here going, ah, this thing, it works different than Vista. But I love it. And so I'm going to post all of Sean's great instructions here for attaching metadata to your photographs in the show notes for this episode so that we can all do what Sean is suggesting as well. And again, if you want to learn more about uh, metadata metadata and GPS um, data that you can attach to photographs, that is covered in one of the episodes under the premium membership. See, as you can see, I am not the only person online who is blogging and podcasting. Actually, one of my listeners wrote in about that, didn't he? Yes. Uh, the next letter I have here says, Lisa, you have inspired me to post a blog based on episode 33. Thank you. And he provides a link to the blog, which is about applying the hard drive organization that you talked about on the show and incorporating the Family Tree Maker software. He finishes off by saying... Thanks for all that you do, Russ Worthington. Oh, Russ, you're welcome. And, and Russ is great. He's a, a genealogy blogger. Um, I'm going to have that particular blog posting in the show notes, but you can find Russ's um, blog at ftmuser.blogspot.com. And um, I, I'm so glad when I, I got so many emails about hard drive organization, and I'm just thrilled to hear that all of you guys have really been embracing that because it is time well spent. You will be happy campers. <laughs> I know I am. And I'm I'm always glad when I go racing to look for something that I had set that up so long ago. So glad to hear it's working. So have you got anything else for us here, Lacey, in the uh, research techniques area? I've got plenty. All right. The next one I've got says... Lisa, I've been doing genealogy for a couple of years on and off and have quite a lot of material. I found your two different podcasts, and I've almost gotten caught up on the Making Easy group, flying around the country and listening. Next will be the Genealogy Gems podcast. Bob says that he's updated his family tree maker and has a year free trial with Ancestry.com, and he wants to know, is there a best practice for which name should be used for a woman's record, maiden or married? He also asks for a recap on what primary source is, Bob Callahan. You know, it's amazing to me, Lacey, I wasn't sure when I start up the second... Oh, there's the cat. Hi. Hi, sweetheart. Hi, beauty. <laughs> well, now we have to close the window because the cat's going to join in. Um, you know, when I started the Family History Genealogy Made Easy podcast, I was thinking, oh, I wonder if this is overkill. I knew I definitely wanted to teach the research process. But it is so cool to hear that people aren't tired of me after Genealogy Gems, and they're willing to listen to family history. And it's funny. I, I had somebody write in the other day saying that she listens to me as she swims underwater. Did you know that there's a waterproof MP3 player? That is amazing. If I enjoyed swimming, I would definitely utilize that. <laughs> and it sounds like um, Bob here is, is flying around and, and uh, has gotten me in his ears. But um, happy to, to make the travels with you guys. And he's got some really good basic questions for the beginner genealogist. Regarding your question, Bob, about a primary source. Primary source, just to recap that, we covered that in one of the very early episodes of this podcast. It's a record that contains genealogical data 
that was collected at the time of the event by somebody in authority or who was actually present at the event. So, for example, um, if you have a birth certificate, it's a primary source for an ancestor's birth date because the information is provided by the doctor who delivered the baby and the mother of the child who names the baby. And, of course, she was there, right? (laughs) And uh, an ancestor and a family tree can have several primary sources for each fact. Um, You may have another primary source for that birth date, such as a family Bible, where the birth was recorded by the family at the time of the birth again. And just to clarify an example of a secondary source, because we have primary and secondary, a secondary source would be the birth announcement in the newspaper, Uh, The reporter obviously was not present at the birth, and the announcement might have been written up actually a couple of days after the birth. So that makes it a secondary. If that's the only source you have, then you definitely want to put in a little more effort and see if you can't track down a primary source to verify the information that you found. So as you can see, a birth date for your ancestor in your family tree could have multiple primary and secondary sources that verify the information. And each time that you find a record in Ancestry, Ancestry attaches that source to the person that it pertains to. And that's a really good thing because it records where you're actually getting your information from. Now, as for your question about maiden or married names for women, a woman is listed in the database with the name she was born with, period. That's her maiden name. And... (laughs) We have two cats staring at us in the window. Uh, And let's see here. And the woman is later connected to her spouse in the family tree. And the spouse's record is going to show us what the married name was. And, of course, there are some ancestors who have multiple marriages. So you wouldn't want to keep changing the last name. You're going to keep that maiden name for the woman. And then just by the, the fact that her record is attached to a man with another surname, that would indicate her married name. And, of course, we find records on ancestry for under both the married name and the maiden name for women. Because when they show up in a death index, they're obviously passing away with that married name later in life. So ancestry may be attaching records that have the married name, such as that death record, which... Uh, is indeed a primary source for the death information in the tree, but that doesn't change that the woman in your tree is listed with her maiden name. So I hope that clarifies things. Great questions, Lacey. I didn't ask the question. Well, you read the question. (laughs) Don't smart aleck your mother. Smart sass your mother. Never. All right. Uh, I've got a question here from Eric Gomes. I hope I said that correctly. I wasn't sure if it was Gomes or... Gomez or... Probably Gomes. Probably Gomes. Okay. Okay. Hi, Eric. (laughs) He says, hi, Lisa. Let me first say that I am a new listener and have been on Genealogy Gems and Family History Genealogy Made Easy podcast marathon. For the past month, I have listened to almost all of your podcasts and have gleaned quite a bit of information to the point that it has almost overloaded my brain. He puts a smiley face in there. (laughs) But that is a good thing. It overlaps my brain sometimes, too. Don't feel bad. <laughs> he says, but that is a good thing because I have a lot of new ideas for expanding the tree that my grandmother started 40-plus years ago. I just listened slash watched the video for organizing your hard drive. I have one suggestion that I would like to send along that I do when I'm setting up an organizational tree on my own hard drive. When setting up the surname folders and the subfolders that go inside of each... 
you set up one set of folders inside of one of the surname folders that are brand new with no documents inside them. Then highlight each of them by first clicking on the folder inside the, sur inside the surname folder, press and hold the shift key, and click on the last folder, then right click on one of the highlighted folders, and click copy from the drop down list. Then click and open the next surname folder, right click inside the folder, and click on paste from the drop down folder. This technique will help make creating folders more efficient and reduce the probability of missed folders. Hope this helps. Thanks for the great podcast with all the helpful tips. Sincerely, Eric Gomes. P.S. Do you have any suggestions on what to look at when checking out and deciding on a society to join? Well, Eric, that was a great idea. And actually, I've used that a long time ago, but it's just been so long, I think, since I created a lot of multiple folders at one time, really until I did this episode on hard drive organization that I'd completely forgot about it. And I think I was showing you guys on the video doing it one by one. But Eric is absolutely right. You can copy and paste multiple empty folders at one time. And it sounds a little convoluted when you're trying to read it, doesn't it, Lacey? <laughs> but I actually will do my best to try to put together a quick little video and um, post that on the web. I'll let you know through the newsletter so that you can take a look and see at this technique that he's talking about. But boy, is that a big time saver. Fantastic idea, Eric. Thank you. And in terms of um, looking for a society, I think it kind of depends what your goals are. If your goal is that camaraderie and education and uh, involvement and maybe community service, then you're definitely going to want to be involved with a local area society, obviously. But if you're really trying to get to know a community where your ancestor live, which may very well be on the other side of the country, then you're really looking at specifically the, the one closest to that area that specializes in that area. I'm guessing, Eric, that you're probably talking about um, trying to find your own local society to become involved in, which I think is still a fantastic idea. You always gain something from putting your head together with other people who enjoy what you're doing. And in this case, obviously, that's genealogy. Here in the Bay Area, we actually have several societies to choose from. I mean, there are several within driving distance for me. And what I really recommend is go and visit. Most of them will let you sit in on a meeting or two um, without having to join. So you can have a look at the kind of presenters that they get and um, the interaction between the people and how welcoming they are. Um, see what kind of programs they offer and see if they meet your needs. And don't be shy about contacting the president or vice president of the local society and asking them some questions, maybe even asking them to email you the most recent copy of their newsletter. Um, it will give you a real flavor of kind of the culture, if you will, of that society. And since you're going to be investing some time with them, I think it's worth the investment of time in kind of doing a little bit of that research and test driving them a bit. And I think probably pretty quickly, it will come to light which one seems to be the best fit for you. And so great questions. Thank you so much for writing. Thank you for your terrific tip on those folders, Eric. Well, we've come to the end of the show, and I still haven't covered all of the emails that you sent in. So we're going to have a part two. So this will be the end of part one of listener email. This is your episode. It's been really fun to go over your comments and your questions. You'll find the show notes for this episode, which include all the links I've talked about at my website, genealogygems.com. 
And there you'll also discover a lot more tips and tools for finding your family history in my podcasts, the blog posts, books, and videos. Become a Genealogy Gems premium member, and you're also going to get access to exclusive content like my full-length video classes and the premium podcast episodes. We have a new one of those coming out every month. Now, if you have any questions about this episode, or if you'd like to share your experiences on how the podcast has impacted your own family history journey, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at genealogygemspodcast at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 925-272-4021 and we might just play it here on the show. Thanks so much for listening, friend. I'll talk to you soon.